Hi, and welcome to the Maffeo Drinks Podcast. I'm Chris Maffeo, founder of Maffeo Drinks, where we provide a no-nonsense approach to building drinks brands from the bottom up. I will be your host, and in each episode, I will interview a drinks builder from the drinks and hospitality ecosystem. In episodes 17 and 18, I had the honor of interviewing Adrian Michalczyk. He's the global winner of the Agio World Class 2022 and global top six in 2016. He's the director of mixology at Pier 42 in Oslo. He has an incredible drinks experience in various markets. I hope you will enjoy our chat. Remember that this is a two-part episode, so if you liked it, feel free to listen to both part one and two of our chat. Talking about this, like I mean, this is a very interesting. I like to gain as much knowledge from you as possible because this is really beneficial for for me first and and for our listeners. But like, I I usually call it the the sellout ladder, like the steps to get to to selling. And you mentioned the brands get listed, and now basically that's the first step. And you're in. Like I I always talk about hunting and farming. How do you sell the first mm-hmm. bottle? to Adrian and now I would like Adrian to sell more of my brand and usually I mean like the let's say the holy grail for companies is the trio no the the back bar the menu and the cocktail menu and how I get into this and the listing and in my experience I mean the first two are a little bit easier like back bar probably the there are higher chances but then like it's a little bit tougher to get more presence right so what's your experience on that mm, so like if you have like some new brand which which we have listed and believe in that product we want to use that so then we are creating some cocktail with this product and it's not just standing on a shelf then also if we see like active approach from the brand representative so of course like then we have like more kind of personal connection and we are motivated to use this product even more the another part is of course like financial support we also are creating the drinks with the storytelling and we love to serve this cocktail not just as a liquid in a glass but build around also with a way of serving so for example we need to buy some nice glassware we want to execute like liquid on the highest level so uh, the modern trends in, a, in our industry uh, they require also to to use sometimes a modern like um, equipment for example yeah so we need to buy all of those things so if we have like a brand which is like good quality and there is a personal approach and uh, attention from the distributor to our team and then they are able to offer us some financial support and support us with the development of new flavors to follow the modern trends and create like product which is trendy for example so then of course like that's extra motivation for us because we will say no to brand which is high quality someone is visiting you at the bar on a on weekly basis and he is giving you money to buy centrifuge for example so like of course you are very motivated to use this product right i think like maybe this is the way if someone wants to sell some brand into the bar these are kind of points which we as bartenders are looking for here in the nordic countries is also a little bit different situation because here they the brands they can't promote alcohol they can't create a campaign so they have some extra spare budgets which they can maybe spend to bars or give to bars and we also listing products on a for example signature cocktail list with of course some price you know so we're trying to also get the budget for us that we can follow the trends or create something extra in a liquid form or for our guests. So if there is a chance to get the financial support, of course, it's just the plus, you know, for us, uh, our bartenders. Nice. 
if I take a step back now, like and focus on the back bar, no, like there's there's a lot of push, like in all the companies I work with and worked for, to get on the mm -hmm. back bar. No, oh, we need to get a facing on the back bar, like visible distribution, it's called, and so on. Do you think, in your experience, is that enough to create some rotation? Do in your experience, consumer actually look at the back bar? to choose what to drink um, or how does it work? Yeah, I would experience? say like Big Bar, it's kind of showroom of the brands. Definitely people there are many times like looking into Big Bar through us, the bartenders, you know, and they are like looking for some cool product, which maybe they know or they might be looking for something new, for example. Yeah, I saw people picking up the product based on the beauty of the package, you know, yeah, like, oh, this bottle looks cool. I like to have a shot there. What is that? Oh, whiskey. I don't drink whiskey, but I will actually take one because it has nice bottling, right? So I think like, of course, it's important, you know, because many people are are trying, trying new things and they are like seeking for something or they are basically more kind of conservative that they know one brand and they want to drink it all life, you know, and if they say, see it on the shelf, like they automatically pick it up. I think like there is definitely a power and a visibility for sure. However, there are also some bars which, for example, are not showing the brands. I saw the bars which are, for example, rebottling the spirits into neutral looking or clear transparent bottles only. So uh, it really depends on the bar, but we have shelves at, the, at our bar and I think it can also tell us a lot about the bar, you know, like which kind of products you have there. If there are more exclusive products, for example, at our bar, we have age statements like 15 plus for the whiskeys. Yeah, you will not find 12 years old whiskey in our bar or even younger. Yeah, so it's like kind of more exclusive uh and also how clean can be back bar, you know, how the bartenders can take care about this can also tell you a lot about the bar. I traveled in a couple of countries in Asia and that's like funny thing that uh, speaking about the modern trends, which we touched on, I saw the bars, which they have like rotav up for a distilling straight behind the bar now is super trending in, uh, in Asia. And uh, there you have a shelf above where you have open vermouths, you know, which are crying, like, please put me into fridge. <laughs> I wanted to see also your reaction on this one, because you are an Italian person and you know the vermouth definitely once you open it, like the wine is alive, no? like it need to be stored in a fridge, right? But, you know, that's, that's it, like that I saw also this on a back bar somehow. And yeah, like, that's again the thing that we as a bartenders, we definitely should be hungry for improvement and knowledge and modern technologies, but we definitely should also know the basics and don't try to overstep and take care about, yeah. about the, all the products in a, in a proper way. Yeah. And like, I mean, coming from beer, like I, I discussed this many times with people is that I, I was trained in rotation no? because of, of course, like beer as a shelf yeah. life, like talking about your vermouth mm -hmm. example. No? And so for me, it was always like, okay, I want to sell my beer brand where I know it will sell out because otherwise they are going to throw away the keg and, yeah. or even worse, like, you know, serving it, even if it's suboptimal, mm -hmm. uh, if, <laughs> if not, you know, like dangerous for health. Um, so for me, it was always like, okay, I, I sell to Adrian if I know that Adrian is selling out because I don't want to just sell one bottle to, to Adrian, huh? But in spirits, talking to a lot of salespeople, I have the feeling that there is less focus on this and more focus on, okay, Adrian has put my brand there. It's a nice showroom, as you said, 
you know, my bottle, the Maffeo, whatever drink is behind the bar, is behind the back of Adrian. So it, it's an advertising uh, shell for me. And I don't really care if he sells it or not. You know, I just want to be there. So the tendency that I see is that people put much more effort in distribution, taking, you know, gaining 10, 50, 100 Adrians without really spending time into working with you to really say, Adrian, like how can we grow the sales and not letting that the bottle getting dusty on the shelf, right? What what's your experience on this, like from salespeople from the spirits industry? No, right speaking now? about this, uh, definitely it will be uh, Maffeo uh, Amaro uh, or Bitre, right? To be able to be on the shelf because Vermouth will be in the fridge. <laughs> I'm, th I'm thinking about. I'm actually thinking about that. I never, I never said it to you, but I have a, I, I have an, I have some ideas. Uh, for the yeah. Future. So um, <laughs> I think like if you uh, once you will make your brand, maybe like some nice Amaro or someone. <clears throat> I think that you will be much more focused also to to motivate me or bartenders in the bars where your product will be. You will probably not do that only for a visibility to have just like bottle there because that's kind of a approach which uh, it's like kind of chance which is not really used properly. I think like visibility is one thing like to have a bottle there, but still like bar it, it's a business, you know, and everyone want to do sales, right? Everyone want to sell more and more. So I think like with the active approach, if you will be coming to bars and you will be giving the new examples to bartenders, how they can use this product, how maybe versatile can this product be and why they should use this product. So then you can push on your sales and you can support it. Some brands, maybe they want to have just a visibility, but I think that's kind of lie, you know, because as I said, like it's a business and everyone wants to create the numbers. Now, I think it's very important to, of course, get on the shelf, like visibility. It's one thing, but then motivate people to work with the product and also actively offer that product to the guest. And as I said, like this is creating extra value. If the guest life loves that product, he might buy that even like uh, in a shop, which is again, like uh, growing on a numbers on an off trade market, right? With your brand. And then maybe mm. there is a party at home and he will buy the bottle and he will say, okay, like this Amaro is actually amazing guys. Did you try it? And they will say, oh, they will try and they will like it. So they might buy the bottle again. And you can basically with the active approach, starting maybe with a bartender and visibility on the shelf. If you have this active approach, you can create much more of sales, not just at the bar, but also besides bar, right? So I think to be active, it pays off on all the levels, definitely. Nice. Always great advices. Like that's another gold nugget there for people who start and not to focus on the Truman show, as I call it, and, but to really move. Absolutely. But cases. like, you know, industry is all about uh, the people, right? So I think it needs to be kind of personal, you know, that's also goal of the bartending to be personal, not to just show off, you know, Absolutely. and with the brands, I, I see that as the same, you know, like if someone really cares about the product and he wants to make this product successful, this is super important to try to become a personal and to really convince people um, to use that product, to really make them believe in that product. And it can, as I said, it can, it can create the other wave of the sales on trade or off trade markets. Yeah. And, and actually like, this is a great point that you're raising because I, I have a bit of a, let's say, let's call it like a controversial take on about how personal this industry is, no? First of all, I agree with you totally that it's a people business and we all, you know, together in this journey, like it, we are ultimately in a socializing kind of environment and industry. 
but sometimes I feel that from brand perspective is a little bit overrated no it's like oh adrian of course is my best friend he's a friend of mine yeah of course like you know and hugging and kissing you know when we meet but then ultimately the space is limited right like so i, I see a lot of people that launch i mean you raised my, my example as a potential you know brand owner future brand owner you know i feel like a lot of people get into that trap right because they say okay okay chris is very well connected he can launch his brand any day and he has a lot of friends in the industry so it will work no but ultimately if i take a brand like let's say a bar like yours i always give this example i i did it in a in a presentation i held at bar convent last year and i said ultimately each bartender or bar owner has got 50 friends that mm. own a brand and they've got 30 spots in the back bar and 10 spots on the menu you know so there's either 20 or even worse, like then 40 people that are out of the game. No? So what's your take in this and what's your advice on, on relying on, because I'm a big advocate of creating a commercial system that enables you to add on the personal touch because personal is the start, but it's not enough for me. So what's, what's your take and feel free to uh, challenge me. You know, like uh, that's, uh, I think, mm, of course, become personal, but also stay active. You know, uh, if, if you have a product and if you have uh, other 49 products, which possibly might end up on a shelf, I think this is an open game for active approach, innovations, and uh, come up always with new ideas. As we spoke about the guests, that uh, this is up to bartenders, what they will be probably drinking next year and uh, a year after. And also brands can maybe come up with a new new things, you know, and then become better than the, the other brands and get the spot on the shelf and maybe on the menu or create the sales. So I think like to become personal, stay active and come with the new ideas and innovation. That's probably the other thing, because there are many brands which are here with us like for decades. Many people, they are drinking it from the habit. Okay. I always drink a martini based on this gin, for example, but also uh, that generation of people will be not here forever. So what we need to do is like actively push even for the brands which are here with a longer history, you know. Uh, many, many brands, they are doing that actively, that they are coming with innovation, they are reflecting on the modern trends and they are, they are like trying to show with the way to consumers or bartenders how to use this product in a new way or new light, you know. So I think this might be a good tip for being uh, successful, you know, in a bar industry. Definitely always uh, trying to find the new ways how to use that product and always come up with the innovation. So definitely stay active. I mean, I, I love this thing, like the rather than just being connected, like being active, because that's the ultimate thing, because I also see brands that you know, like they're there kind of yeah. like collecting dust for like, they, they became like vintage brands on a back bar and nobody is ever, ever, ever going there. And to, to, to this last point that you raised about the versatility of the product and being in line with the newest trends, I, I work with a lot of companies and the bigger brands, they tend to, to have the, mm -hmm. like a drink strategy, no? like a, this brand goes in whatever, Margarita, this brand go, you should drink it in the Negroni, this one you should drink it with tonic, this one you should drink it with ginger ale or whatever. At your level of bartending and mixology, if I were you, I would be like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I, let me do my job and I will decide how to treat this product. So what's your 
experience and what's your take on, you know, when somebody comes in and say, okay, this product goes with this and this and this, because there's a thin line between them recommending and dictating, you know, it's like, no, this yeah, that's, uh, this you know, that's something like, um, if you, if some brand representative is coming to the bar and it's like saying my product is actually the best, right? Like if you have like this kind of liquor, always use that in this cocktail or this spirit always used with the tonic, for example. But I think, um, I, I see that as an incorrect way, kind of, as you said, of dictating and telling straight to bartender, you should do this one, yeah? If I'm representing some brand, I will try to find a different way for this one because it's very limiting to just, like, give it one advice, like, uh, this spirit should go with the tonic and that's it, right? From my point of view, if I have a chance to represent some brand, I will try to create many different ways how to use this product and then present this to bartenders and give them free hands and a pick, you know, like how they want really to work with this product. I think it's all about the knowledge because if someone is saying that oh, my product should be just drunk with a tonic, then uh, I think like that person has not really deep knowledge or is not really creative, you know. So then maybe the brands, they should start collaborating with the people which are visionaries, has a knowledge, they are creative. And uh, then, for example, we did this project with a singleton whiskey where I have been showcasing like how whiskey can be versatile. You know, like we, we know the whiskey spirit just from the world of like serving it the neat or on the rocks or maybe in old fashioned or Manhattan, right? But my target has been to showcase that we can drink whiskey even in a different ways. So for example, combined with the floral notes and carbonated as a sparkling aperitif cocktail. Yeah. And we can do that. We can create something nice and silky with the whiskey. Or we can, in a whiskey, we have plenty of different notes uh, from fruity across nutty. We can go almost umami, many, many different, uh, different flavor profiles, you know. So. If the brand really wants to push for the sales and come up with something new for bartenders, I will definitely see as a vital some collaboration with a person who is creative, who has enough of knowledge and will showcase to bartenders or to people in general that this product can be used not just in one way as a high with tonic, but it can be used in like 10 different ways and you make your choice. And I think this is also making people much more comfortable because they have an option, they have a choice, right? So they don't feel like extra push to uh, use this product only in that one. And you always need to use this product in this cocktail because it's the best, you know? So this is not the correct way how to do upselling and how to present your product. In my eyes, correct way will be like, we have this product, we believe that this great quality and it can be used in these 10 ways, at least. Of course, if you come up with something new, you can drink it like in whichever way you like it because it's always your drink. But I'm giving you like a palette of the opportunities, how to use this product and you make your pick. So then you feel like, okay, like I can trust in this product because I can really drink it in way how I like it. And you can see you are not just told to, to drink it always this way, you know. So this is how I will probably work with a product if I can uh, represent uh, any kind of brand. I'm just thinking like where, let's say, do you draw the line? Because I see a lot of brands that are going a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, they are taking it a little bit too far, no? Like we have seen the spritz trend, you know, the gin and tonic trend and so on. So every, I feel every single brand is trying to do tonic, ginger ale, spritz, or whatever, now whatever the category is, and as as you said, I mean, coming from Italy, for me, a spritz 
there's only a few yeah. kind of like products that can make a spritz. <laughs> but sometimes I feel that marketing department of companies are taking it a little bit too easy, no? That they say like, oh, okay, like spritz is working. Let's do a spritz with this brand. And then, you know, like, a, I don't know, now I'm just making it up like a whiskey spritz, you know, it would be a little bit odd for me, no? So where would you draw the line on or your advice to to brand owners or ambassadors? Um, yeah, to be kind of versatile and try to come up with uh, new things, of course, it's it's great, but it can be too much sometimes, yeah? The lines, in, in my eyes, they will be probably um, set by the quality and flavor profile of the product in general. Also, like if you're speaking now about using the brand uh, or the liquid in the cocktail, I think like, as a bartender, I see that, that we always trying to understand the brand, understand the liquid, and then support or build around. Of course, if we have a whiskey, then probably we don't do spritz, but we can always do some carbonated cocktail. We can use that in a way like some daisy or sweet sour top up with the bubbles, for example. Yeah. So that's a little bit different, you know. So I would say it's very important to have a knowledge about the brand. Don't overstep like completely that um, try to convince people that you can drink whiskey with pink grapefruit lemonade because of course you can find their citrusy notes because that's lie, right? Like you don't have really citrusy notes in the whiskey. But you always, with enough of knowledge, you can always find the way how to incorporate, for example, notes of grapefruit. But we need like to kind of connect grapefruit and whiskey with a bridge of the other flavor. Yeah, this is exactly the way how the chefs, they are working. Uh, putting two things together, which you will never say like that they can go together, but they are connected across uh, across the one extra flavor, which is the middle flavor is matching whiskey and middle flavor is matching also the pink grapefruit. Yeah? So you can always kind of connect it, but you need to have a really great knowledge and understand the product, you know? So I would say where the lines are in this age, like it's very hard to say, uh, but, but I think like the, the quality of the product and understanding of the product can give us maybe the borders, you know, which we can maybe get close to border with the not knowledge. If we cross this border, we'll look probably stupid. And I think like we need to have knowledge if we work yeah. with whatever, you know, knowledge is the king. Yes. Otherwise it's just like uh, improvising and so on. And I'm always talking about mm -hmm. it, having a target occasion to, for brands, no? Like I always have these examples like, I mean, Apero with the Spritz or Campari with the American and the Negro. Like, let's say they became famous with one target occasion. But like, we also talk, spoke about the versatility and so on. So what would you recommend like to, let's say, pick out of the, let's call it the 10 option, like you mentioned before, you know, pick the one or two to become famous for and push and then still give room for alternatives? Or because some, sometimes I feel that people want to be a, a jack of all trades, no? Like they want to fit every occasion. Uh, I, this one you can drink it before dinner, after dinner, during <laughs> dinner, when you go to sleep, you know, like it's like, okay, but give me a hook to to have an idea. Now, what's, uh, what's your, what's you know, your view? On uh, that like one? with the brands, we are trying, of course, to create image, right? This is something what I will be focused for probably that if I have like a product, I will probably do like my pick one or two picks, uh, where to use that, when to drink it and so on. And try to build strongly about this one, try to build the image and DNA of the product in general. Of course, then like I will try to uncover as many possibilities for usage of the product. 
but then I will just leave it probably up to guests. I will just try to probably push for one or two drinks based on my spirit and build a kind of image about around this one to pick up like one, two strong things and push for this one, give the opportunities to people to maybe use that product in different ways or occasions. But then don't try to kind of convince people that, yeah, you can drink in morning and evening and uh, during the night and it's perfect also during the noon, you know. So that that uh, sounds a bit silly and like too much, you know, like too big push. And I, I truly believe that the product has a bigger power if people, they will find out there's beauty and they will start believing in the product by themselves. You know, if you go around and you're saying like, yeah, this product is the best one. So then uh, you might actually create the opposite effect that people will hate it and they will not believe in the product at all, right? So uh, give people like free hands and uh, let them decide. Nice, nice, nice. Last points that I have is that we touched upon the cocktail menu, no? And I've seen two worlds in the on-trade business. There's the more you know influential outlets and the top outlet like where you work and where you worked in the past and then the more kind of like average bars, mainstream bars and so on. What is your experience on when brands get on the cocktail menu and they manage, as we discussed, to, to get there? I've seen in some places there's a, there's a branded menu. Brands are mentioned on the menu. And in some other places, brands are not mentioned on the menu. No? And I, I tend to see that it's easier to see it in, let's say, more mainstream bars, you know, that because the best bars, like, they don't actually want to mention brands. So what's, what's your take? And also, like, to manage expectation of, brand owners that are always pushing like, no, I, I need you to put the brand on the menu. And then it's like, okay, I got, I managed to get listed with my brand in Adrian's bar. He made the cocktail with my brand, but he doesn't want to mention the brand, you know, like people will know, he will say to people when they order, but he doesn't want to mention my brand. So what's your um, take on this kind look, of Look, like I, of course, uh, uh, understand that everyone wants to be super visible, right? I feel it like it's a quite big push. If someone is telling me really like not just uh, use this uh, use this brand and it is not enough like to just speak about that or have it written on the menu, but you need to uh, run there around the world with a bottle in the hand and like uh, tell everyone that you have been using this one. I believe like the brands which kind of understands the game and they believe in their uh, product, they really don't need to ask for these kind of favors from, from people. If we as a bartenders believe in that product, We'll be, of course, presenting it. We'll make sure that the brand is visible somehow, but extra push from brands to, to us, I think it can create like just opposite effect, you know, like it should be natural, you know, that we want to present the product and we believe in the product. So if I'm representing brand, I will try natural trust in the people rather than to push for that massively and maybe even risk losing these bartenders, you know, because you pushed too much, right? I think the natural way has its own beauty always. Absolutely. One very last question. You are having a great career. What, what would you give as an advice to people that want to, let's say, follow your footsteps or, or that they are starting to entering in the industry now and they see you as an inspiration? Like what, what kind um, of advice? So many people are uh, texting me that I just started with bartending and uh, what is your advice exactly or what I should do, you know, and I'm always trying to uh, answer to everyone. Of course, we are human beings, you know, and as, as we mentioned, like this industry is all about the people. Our first advice is stay human being and try to understand really that this is all about the people, you know, so uh, you need to also love people. 
to be able to to work in the hospitality industry. So the first thing is like be a human being and love people. Then of course the second thing we spoke about it today many times. Try to be personal. Try to be present for people because people can also feel you if you're serving some guest, if you're really there or if you are doing that just for money and you basically don't like that job or you don't really mean what you're doing or what you're saying, you know. So so be human being, try to become personal and definitely be present, you know, give people attention. And then, of course, is a knowledge. A knowledge is giving you confidence. Uh, so then many times, like people without the knowledge, they are kind of under stress, right? They don't know how to answer the questions and so on. So they are not really able to show their real personality and give their best. So knowledge is giving you the confidence and then you don't really need to think like what to answer and you can showcase yourself in the best possible way. These things are advices for the bartenders. Always, of course, stay hungry for knowledge. Try to improve on a daily basis because that's the thing also with the competitions, which we mentioned today. We don't compete against the other bartenders, but we compete against ourselves. This is how I saw also the competition in my case. I, I came back to, to global stage to to try to beat myself, become better than I have been there last time. And that's whatever you do, like whichever kind of job, you should have a vision of becoming better than you have been yesterday. This is the evolution. This is the life about in my eyes. But uh, yeah, for the bartenders, definitely understand that this is the industry of the people. So be hospitable, be present, love people. And then gain as much as you can of knowledge because that can give you the opportunity to really shine and be present for people there for 100%. Beautiful words. Like it's really helpful and I, I hope people will take it and re-listen to, to it because I still remember when I joined SAB Miller back in the days, there was an old gentleman working with Cognac that had a speech and then we had a recording of the speech. And I, I must have listened to that recording when I was driving from Prague to Pilsen to the brewery, like every single morning, it was exactly like 45 minutes pitch and I was playing it in a CD and then I lost the CD, but I remember it by heart, you know, and that guy was so inspiring for me. And I think it's our role to pass it on to the future generations. You mentioned it also with brands, you know, brands that were famous mm -hmm. in the past that are kind of like rottening, you know, because if, if people stop buying them, you know, it's, you only rely on people that used to drink it. And I used to drink it for 20, 30 yeah. <laughs> years. At some point they stopped drinking for, for any reason. And mm. the newer people don't know what to drink. So amazing words. I leave you like a, a space for a couple of words on how people can find you. Of course, they can find me on the social media platforms on Instagram or Facebook, just Adrian Michalczyk, or on my page, uh, adrianmichalczyk.com. They can find some information there about me. And of course, I will be most happy to welcome people at the bar Pier 42 uh, here in Oslo at Hotel America Linian. And I will be very happy if I have a chance to, to host some of you and create yeah, some memorable moments. We spoke today actually about the products uh, quite, quite a lot. It was very, very different conversation also for me, but uh, very nice. Thank you very much for that, Chris. In general, I will also say one last thing that many times we don't really remember which brand has been in a drink or what exactly has been in the drink, but we definitely remember how that bartender or that product made us feel, you know, and this is something the brand representatives should understand that, okay, if you're trying to sell the product to bartender, 
try to become definitely personal and create a connection with the person because they're still just the products on the other side, but this is the human's industry and that's most important. So if there is no connection or no relationship between two people, you know, it's very hard to do the business, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So thanks. Thanks a lot, Adrian. It was super helpful, super interesting, a very nice conversation and i gained a lot of knowledge for first hand. so thanks thanks a lot and i appreciate it. and i hope to, to have a drinks with you soon let cool. me know when you're in prague cool. i wish that i will visit prague you know, very very somewhere. soon you know it's uh, one of my together. absolutely favorite cities on the planet so i will be looking forward to, to meet up in a person again and have a drink or two chris thank you very much for having me and have a lovely day my pleasure thank you remember that this is a two-part episode so if you liked it feel free to listen to both part one and two of our chat. That's all for today. So thank you for joining me on the Maffeo Drinks podcast. I hope you have gained valuable insights in these episodes. If you have enjoyed the content, please review it and share it with friends and colleagues. I would really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and follow the Maffeo Drinks podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform. By doing so, you'll never miss an episode and you'll stay up to date with the latest interviews, stories, and strategies shared by industry experts. I truly appreciate your feedback and suggestions, so feel free to reach out to me on social media at Maffeo Drinks or through our website, maffeodrinks.com, to share your thoughts, guest recommendations, or topics you'd like to explore in future episodes. Until next time, cheers from the Maffeo Drinks podcast. And remember that brands are built bottom up.